Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 179. This week, we talk with Suze Hinton about her experience live streaming her coding on Twitch. Software development is the number one job right now. And an app that can turn your drawings into an app. Raygun gives you complete visibility on errors, crashes, and performance problems affecting your end users. Replicate issues in seconds rather than digging through log files or having to rely on users to report errors or crashes. Raygun gives you a window into how users are really experiencing your software applications. Check it out today at raygun.com. This week we have Suze Hinton, cloud developer advocate, open source maintainer, and live streamer. How's it going? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be on the show. Yeah, we're at uh, we're at Ready, which is like an internal Microsoft conference that I don't know how much we're supposed to talk about, but so hopefully there's nothing NDA behind us. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just blur yeah. it out in the yeah. background. <laughs> I know there's a, there's a room that says private meeting room, and and like we're hoping it doesn't flash like you know how to bring back Vista or something like that. <laughs> Clippy's making Awkward. a comeback. Yeah. yeah, yeah, plans to plans to bring back Clippy. Uh, so we'll see what happens back there. So what do we have for the comment of the week, Carl? Uh, the comment of the week was uh, based on our, our previous episode where we had a, uh, a tip of the week involved SQL Operations Studio. Yep. And uh, this was from Floyd Hilton on our website. He said, speaking of SQL tools, I've almost completely switched to using VS Code with the MSSQL extension. The killer feature that I love are quick connections of the command palette and F12 to get at definitions of tables, views, etc. And then uh, if you go to the show notes, he supplied us with a link that shows the extension and everything. So you can integrate and execute all of your queries and stuff uh, from VS Code. So I that's didn't pretty realize awesome. that. So there's, there's Operation it. Studio, which is based on VS Code, <laughs> and then there's VS Code, which does a lot of the same stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'll have to, I'll have to check a look, take a look at that because then maybe on the next episode I can provide guidance. Have you used either one of those? Well, VS Code just keeps getting more and more awesome. Yeah, I know. And actually I being able to do this, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not, not having to leave to do all of this additional SQL stuff is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, an operation studio. So I mentioned it on the show last week, but it's uh, it's pretty cool because it's like management studio, uh, but based on VS Code. So I can use it on my Mac. I can use it on Linux. I can use it wherever. And uh, I don't know. It's just pretty good. So if you want to get mentioned on the show like Floyd, send us an email to feedback at msdevshow.com or comment on Facebook, YouTube, or Stitcher. We really like those five-star iTunes reviews. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, so that was short and sweet. So let's jump into the news. Uh, so the first one here, Microsoft Garage creates technology that converts ink designs into UI code. Um, so I know you were like using this before the show, and you're like, this is cool. So, yeah. What's so cool? So this is a, a UWP app that you can get from the store, and you bring it up, and if you have a Surface like I do, you can just pull out your pen and start drawing a UI design. And it'll take that and interpret that into the code it would actually take for UWP or an Android application. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so you can, awesome. you can have a view. You can do – it understands, you know, uh, different images, text boxes, all that kind of stuff. There's, I think, like 10 or 12 different yeah. kinds of controls that you can just ink out because a lot of times when you're doing that design work, you're going to sketch it out first in some way, shape, or form. I know uh, you used to use like a SketchUp Bal- tool. Balsamic. Balsamic yeah, for balsamic, SketchUp. Yeah. And this is – you draw exactly what you, what you would yeah, see that. You showed it to me and I'm just like, uh, Carl, like I've been using it for years. But, and then like as, as you were yeah. inking it out, it just – a second or two later, it popped into a yeah. shape that is exactly what you meant it to be. And then you just export as your technology what, of choice. What blew me away is the dropdown, like export as UWP. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now that's cool. So, you know, if you want to get that quick jump start on your development process, you know, 
it's a nice quick way to do it. I hope, I hope they integrate it with uh, other tooling. Yeah, sure. it's super. I think it improves that kind of bridge between designers and developers, particularly designers who don't do any coding, because I know mm-hmm. that there's some hybrids out there. But being able to just explain, no, 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 this is kind of how I wanted you to be able to step through the app, and then they can kind of take over from there and start mm-hmm. the developers working on the code. I think that that's really awesome. Well, and what I always liked about Balsamic was it was... Um, it looked kind of messy, you know, because the whole point of it was to not confuse people. Like you don't, you don't want your design to be too close. Like when you're, when you're prototyping, you want to be able to say like, here, I've sketched it out. And then when you hand it over to the dev, then it's kind of, it's cool. Kind of like when you had blend, you, a designer could do something like pixel perfect. And then your CEO is like, yep, our app's done. Well, I mean, that's one problem, but the other problem is like, can you move that two pixels to the left? And it's like, Okay, why? Like, that's not, we're, we shouldn't be having that discussion yeah. right now. Totally. So, um, next up, uh, introducing the Windows desktop program for desktop application analytics. Say that 10 times. Yeah, that's a lot of uh, fun yeah. words to say really quickly. But essentially, what this is, is if you have a uh, WinForms or WPF application, mm-hmm. uh, it's not coming through the store. You're not getting the same analytics as if you have an iOS, Android, or UWP app, which has this store ecosystem with built-in analytics. So what you can do is you can go to the Windows Developer Center, register um, to say that you want to be part of this program, and they'll give you a, a DLL to include in your in your code. And then as long as you have signed your code with that same certificate um, that that DLL is in, uh, it'll be able to track and give you analytics on your application in the Dev Center. Nice. Okay. So if for some reason you can't port that to a newer technology, let's get those same analytics tools back to the old technology. Okay. I was going to say, um, you could probably use like application insights. I don't know how far back that goes though. Cause you could always call APIs and like send in yeah. events, but I don't know. Take a- anything look at it to make it easier. Problem space. Yeah. Yeah. Anything to make this easier. Absolutely. Report rank software developer is the best job in the U S this year. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was like almost like the, uh, Worst kept secret anyway in general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's funny. I mean, like, we don't have, like, enough people getting into it. I mean, so it's just there's this continual demand issue. Um, yeah, so which, it's a huge problem. Yeah. And apparently we uh, replaced dentists, which you were talking about. Yeah. Dentistry, you know, while it may have a lot of yeah, They pay, were the number two. Yeah. Um, what was, so so make, sure, make sure I get the word, the number two best job. But I thought, they had the, I thought they had the highest suicide rates. So, you know, some of these jobs, there's, there may be, you know, other aspects to them that are nicer. But, you know, as a whole, yeah. you know, our industry is pretty awesome. We get to be pretty creative. We have pretty lucrative salaries and benefits. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know, like, at, at least myself, you know, I can be uh, remote and uh, yeah, have a lot, I have a lot of control uh, over what I do. Like, if I want to, I can, you know, take a few hours off to during the day to take care of one of my children and then make up for it on, on my own time. Yeah. I mean, this summer I'm going to take a nine week trip across the United States. And like, if I was a dentist, there's just no way. This <laughs> <laughs> I was like cleaning teeth along the All right. way. All right. You got to be in Pennsylvania. <laughs> actually, I bet, I, actually, I bet you there, I bet you there is a, a traveling a, dentist. Yeah. I bet there you there is, is demand yeah, for that. They, you know, when they come to schools when you're a kid, I don't know whether that yeah. happened in the US, but there was always the dental van yep. that came and maybe you could just buy them on eBay and go travel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thinking like, it's funny because these people that, that, you know, are full-time RVers, like they go, they go from park to park totally. and like services like medical and dental are really difficult for them because they, they literally just can never see the same doctor, you know? So if you do have like a traveling doctor and maybe you can sort of like stay in the same region <laughs> as them, I'm, I promise you like, this is a thing. Is this like roadies, but dentist roadies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 I think so. That's 
<laughs> Can you imagine explaining what you do? Oh, I'm a dentist roadie. I make sure the rock star's teeth are in tip-top shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's a thing. I'm sure that's a thing. Well, I mean, there's in, like, sports, right? I mean, there's, like, doctors that, that do that, right? Well, they have, like, team doctors, though. Yeah, you know, yeah. So your doctor flies yeah. with you when you go somewhere. True. Yeah. yeah. So uh, if you are a uh, a dentist that travels the country – and does software development on the side and listens to the podcast. Let us know. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> I think I'll say a software engineer for now. It feels like we, we came out on top this year. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take that win. Um, I think that's, uh, I think that's pretty cool. And obviously like, you know, my kids, I'm always trying to get them into it. And, um, yeah, I don't know. We just got to get like everybody into it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, I think there's going to be, uh, plenty of demand. Um, so that wrap, well, we're wrapping up the news on a high note. So let's get the Sue's now. Uh, we have a whole bunch of good questions for you because you do something really cool, which is, you know, you're on the Twitch platform and you do this, uh, this live coding, uh, which is amazing. Like I would be, I'm just like getting like sweating, just like thinking (laughs) about it, which I, which I will get to. But before we get to that, I I wanted to kind of find out like what do you, what you do for Microsoft? Because I think that's interesting as well. Yeah, totally. And it's weird because the, the live streaming is actually what first got me noticed by Microsoft. Okay. And it was also noticed by my new manager um, because I've done several roles in Microsoft so far. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm a cloud developer advocate. So that's mostly working with Azure, uh, mostly kind of covering the online corner of things like mm-hmm. documentation and ed- developer education, mm-hmm. developer outreach. And then obviously sometimes we go on the road without our dentist roadies, unfortunately. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we go out on the road and we, um, we talk to other developers about um, Azure and we also get to take that feedback back to the product teams to hopefully improve those experiences. So yeah. it's a super, super cool job. And I love the title. I love the term advocate. Yeah. Um, because I know like historically on my team, we were uh, like technical evangelists. And, uh, and I think that term still gets used and I, I've never been a fan. Of, I've never used that title. Yeah, totally. Um, and I've actually had other people say like, I wish we were like advocates, you know, like, cause other companies use that. And I think that's uh, a really good representation then of, of like the kind of work that you're doing, which, yeah. is, which is really cool. I much prefer that title. I mean, I used to be a technical evangelist too, and I would always introduce myself in talks as, and I work in DevRel because yeah. I just couldn't quite use <laughs> <I know>. that term. <laughs> Otherwise you just sound like, you know, like Azure is great. You yeah, should use exactly. Azure. It's a weird connotation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then outside of the United States too, I know there's like you know negative connotations, and you yes. shouldn't be you know using that title. So we've run into that issue as well. Absolutely. So I love I love the advocate uh, terminology. So what made you get into live streaming streaming your coding? Yeah, a lot of people are just like, why would you go and do that? Like, <laughs> like, like what, what made you do it that first time? And then why did you keep doing it? Right? Like, it is a really weird question. And most of it was that I was inspired by other people that came before me. So I don't know whether you've seen Handmade Hero. Um, I think, to my knowledge, he's one of the first people that ever kind of did this, um, where he said, okay, well, Everyone wants to be a game developer, but, um, you know, it's so intimidating to get started. So he said, all right, screw frameworks, screw game engines. I'm just going to, like, start writing a C game from scratch. And I think he's been doing that for, like, a couple of years now. And that fascinated me because I thought that's so much more accessible to actually watch someone doing it a bit at a time, making mistakes, rewriting things, like, talking aloud. And I thought that was really cool. And there was a group called Vlambeer, I think. They also um, allowed you to subscribe at a certain tier of their game, and then you would actually get to watch them live coding. And they had this really weird code indentation style that I've never seen before. 
And it made me realize just how much we differ as programmers and how much you can kind of learn from others. Maybe not the indentation stuff, but like, you know, <laughs> stuff in general. And so I thought after seeing my friend Nolan Lawson kind of stream himself doing open source, I never even realized that a lot of people just don't even know what it's like to write open source code. Mm -hmm. And so that was the angle that I entered in. I wanted people to see that maintaining open source code is kind of similar to like your day job. It's just that your customers, instead of being like users on, on the website, um, it's actual developers instead using the thing that you wrote. This reminds me of reality TV now, <laughs> you know, where you have that thing where, you know, like, you know, 10 people in a house, you know, anything can happen. <laughs> like when you were talking, it kind of reminded me of that. It's like one, one person writing code, anything can happen. How will he indent, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so like that too. Yeah. It's like, it's not like, you know, and we'll go into this in a bit more detail, but it's yeah. not like live coding on stage <laughs> where everyone is silent. Like everyone's like, what font is that? Like, <laughs> have you thought about using this? And, and oh. it's so much more interactive. You're getting me all stressed out now. Yeah. Where people, it kind of like, <laughs> developer mode jason <laughs> and i'm like how do i do that i don't know how to do it right now and so yeah it's definitely a different medium and it that's i think why it sounds so terrifying to people but yeah. i just thought that it would be a great way for people to realize that you know open source maintainers are just like every other developer mm -hmm. it's just they have slightly different customers okay so i guess one of the things um that is coming to my mind is as a developer i'm thinking i'm just coding i have the internal thought process and initially, to me, it would be kind of almost terrifying, like verbalizing all those <laughs> thoughts that are going in my head. But then after a while, you know, I got to thinking, well, you know, the rubber ducking concept, you kind of have that built in audience, you're automatically verbalizing it. So does do you find that helps you? as you're developing, you know, differently than if you're just coding by yourself? It totally does. I will say you take a huge productivity hit because like, when you're thinking about something in your head, it probably doesn't actually make coherent sense mm -hmm. and so you have to figure Absolutely. out a way to kind of like yeah so you have this thread in your mind that's translating that into something that makes sense for other people so it's really really helpful because you tend to get to an answer quicker but it takes you a lot longer to actually start typing a lot of the time because you have this preamble i guess yeah that's interesting because i'm just a terrible developer like <laughs> I, you know yes. it, it, yeah because it's, it's like this like sine wave of like productivity because like i'll be i'll be like you know sort of in the zone writing a whole bunch of code and then and then it'll be like su some super simple code and it, it doesn't work the way i expected it to and then it's like what 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 is what is going on here <laughs> and I, I would be like just like super embarrassed by that right i just get stuck and then it i my i would just my mind would go blank and, i definitely and, have moments like that where you get paralyzed where you're yeah. you actually say didn't see this coming don't know how to fix it. Uh, a lot of the audience sometimes is lacking context because I work on a lot of hardware stuff. So it's not like, you know, there's a bunch of web developers watching me work on an Arduino. And so yeah. they're sort of like, oh, this is outside my knowledge too. So most people just write encouraging messages. And sometimes it helps to just move Good on luck, to you're something doing great. else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I will say that having to communicate that aloud and then having to fix bugs under pressure in front of other people has definitely made me a stronger programmer. Like it's improved yeah. my skills. For I think sure. that really helps then when you actually do a presentation and you have to live code in front of people. Oh yeah. You're just like, Oh, I do this every day. <laughs> I'm so much up for signing up for that. Like that used to be the most terrifying idea for me. And then last year in July, I ended up speaking at TwitchCon and live coding something. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, this is just like another Sunday for me when I normally stream. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Cause that's one of the reasons 
actually why why personally I wanted to do the podcast was it was actually something I was like terrible at. <laughs> and and if you if you start at the beginning and listen to our episodes, like you know we were pretty terrible, honestly, and like we've gotten so much better at it. But it's it's just like you're like exercising that muscle. It's so true. Yeah, yeah. there's like this quote from Adventure Time I really like, and it's like. Um, you have to suck at something before you get sort of good at something, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you just kind of have to start. Yeah. And then I, you know, I was kind of curious, like how stressful it is because I, so I have, I have some streaming experience from live streaming. Uh, when, (laughs) when Twitch first came to the Xbox, like only, uh, it was, it was like available for like Microsoft employees first for like, for like a week. Nice. And, and so people, anybody could watch you, but like I was actually capable of streaming things. Nobody else could. So I streamed Power Star Golf, <laughs> and, and I don't, I don't. There was no video or anything. It was literally just me playing golf, and uh, but somehow I don't remember how it worked. But people could send me, you know, they could send messages. So oh yeah, because it was because it was streaming to Twitch, right? So they were able to type oh, and I was course. able to see it on the yeah. Xbox. Yeah. And um, I streamed for about five minutes, and like there was this, there was this. I remember it so vividly, and I'm like, I can hardly even play that game. <laughs> uh, but anyway, there was like this hill. And I basically, when uh, I'm not a golf expert or anything, but if you hit the ball the right way, you can, uh, you can put curve in. Is that slicing it? I think so. You can put curve in it, but I didn't know that you could do that. So I'm like aiming, and they're like slice the ball, and I'm just like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> like, like stop, stop making me freak out. And then I had to end the stream. Like I couldn't even, I couldn't. And actually, right before I ended the stream, like I, I shot, and it just like hit the wall, and then it fell down. I was so embarrassed. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm never streaming again. So like, how do you like? Did you deal with that or were you just like, whatever? No, no, you raise a really good point. And I was extra scared because I was like, okay, a lot of people expect that women are like perfect as well, right? So like I have this extra pressure where if I screw up, I'm representing my entire gender to a lot of people, which is terrifying. So I was like, okay, in order to deal with this, I'm just going to come up with something very heavily scoped. Um, down, you know, to complete. And then I'm just going to rehearse it. So I ended up just like creating a, f- like a branch in my repo. Okay. And I went through it all and I saw, okay, where am I going to hit issues? Where am I going to get forgetful? Where am I going to Google stuff? And I just rehearsed it a couple of times. And then in the morning before a stream, I would just stare at the code and then check out master mm-hmm. and then pretend that I was just giving it a go. Um, <laughs> and, and I did that for four episodes. And then I realized that one, that was way too much effort. Yeah. And two, it wasn't authentic like it was giving away the impression that like i'm like this 10x programmer which is just either rare or doesn't exist right and so i was was like i'm just doing people a disservice and i'm doing myself a disservice but those four episodes uh which are on youtube actually and i still hit bugs but i I remembered kind of how to fix them they gave me that confidence to then just be like you can just wing it so fake it till you make it yeah i think so it definitely that was like training wheels i like to call it and then you can take the training wheels off and free ride so okay that's pretty interesting (laughs) um and then i was just wondering like what what you are getting out of this you know because i could sort of speculate you know without doing it but like you're doing it now so like what what else are you getting out of it i know you said you're more comfortable and like you've gotten better at it but like what other benefits have you seen yeah there's been a lot of benefits that i didn't see coming like i I thought at first it would help um it would help other people which makes me feel good right Mm -hmm. so like when you help others you feel good that's kind of you know Mm -hmm. a large reason why we all help each other but the unexpected things that came out of it were that i get a lot more pull requests I get more activity on my libraries, yeah, that I write. Because they're probably, like, shouting at the computer, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, like, you know what, I'm going to just fix it. No, there's totally been a case where they were trying to explain to 
like something to me in chat and I'm like, I just don't get it, but I'm happy to talk to you about it later. <laughs> and when I hung up my stream, there was a pull request from them in the email saying, sorry, I didn't explain it properly, but here is what I meant, cool. which is so cool. And, is and it's awesome. very humbling that people took the time to do that. And so now sometimes if I don't have time to do something, I'll catch myself in my stream saying, yeah, I mean to do that later. And then I actually just stop right there. I go to GitHub, I open the issue, everyone watches me do it, and then I post the link in the chat. And then a lot of the time someone's already got it and there's a pull request okay, the next that's day. Cool. So yeah, so it's kind of a way of getting other people involved. And I think that that's why people come back and that's why I keep doing it as well. Okay, so it just advertises the great work that you're already doing. Yeah, Okay. I guess. That's pretty cool. And then... That, that's kind of neat because I'm thinking like one of the biggest issues I have, you know, if I wrote some code two years ago, I go back. I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> like you could actually ask that question and go answer it. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. <laughs> I'm going to go back to the video. Let's let's replay that. And you're like, oh, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> well, because then you can see right when you did it the maybe the wrong way and then you decide to do it a different way. And then then you actually have some explanation there. Yeah, you totally have the handy. documentation. Have you, have you ever like gone back and said like, you know, what was I thinking at that time or not yet? Not yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking that okay. there's like, it's been about a year and a half since I started. Yeah. So it's probably around the time that I will be going yeah. to things. For sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I think that's a really interesting yeah. angle I never thought of. So yeah, I have an archive of my literal consciousness, yeah. stream of consciousness. But you might head. remember everything better though. Anyway, just like having said it out loud. Yeah, totally. I've totally said stuff like, oh, and I did this like three months ago on my stream. And I never would have remembered when I did that at yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, taking it to addressing something that, you know, I can just only assume is people run into negative negatively is do you run into people being mean or trollish uh, when you're doing these streams? Yeah, I do, but only pretty occasionally. And it's really funny. Like, <laughs> it's actually so funny because... Usually people are just incredibly offended that either A, I'm writing JavaScript. That's unacceptable <laughs> for some people. Yeah, that is pretty funny. And they'll just say things like, and you know, uh, this, this is like not super rude, but it is kind of like a, an offensive thing. They'll say, oh, JavaScript is cancer, you know, which is a very trolley yeah. thing to say. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's very trivializing of actual cancer, which sucks. Yeah. Uh, and then other people will just be like, Oh, why aren't you writing with the latest, you know, ES 2017, you know, <laughs> syntax? And yeah. I'll say, this is an old library and I'd rather actually add additional features devs want than yeah. use modern syntax mm -hmm. that doesn't really benefit me in a huge way. Mm -hmm. And I'll say something like, but pull requests are welcome. Yeah. And only one <laughs> troll has called my bluff on that pull request are welcome yeah. where they modernized, um, you know, some of the code. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we all benefit from that. So I still win in the end. So yeah, it's like, I mean, are they even like a troll i mean maybe they just maybe they just have a bad attitude <laughs> yeah well, they just want attention and yeah. that's the way that they can do yeah. it so honestly like other than a few things about my appearance which are usually compliments but they're just like not super appropriate mm -hmm. like i really haven't had any negativity other than hilarious saltiness over yeah. the language i'm writing you should just be like and and so what changes should i make in the code <laughs> 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 yeah no one has said like you're a terrible coder and i was yeah. expecting that oh, really for like the first six months i'm like someone's yeah, yeah, going to yeah. figure out i'm terrible at this <laughs> but it's just not and and we've all picked up tips from each other on git and things like that and i found that it's just been overwhelmingly positive rather than negative which knocked me like 
off my senses. I just didn't expect that. Yeah, I'd expect a lot of like, why are you doing that? You know, like, why why are you making a copy of your entire Git repository be, before you run any command? It's like because I'm terrible at Git. Dash dash drive on you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So no, it's been uh, really awesome. I've been really really surprised. So you know, one of the things that I was wondering, like, a lot of people have imposter syndrome, and some people just actually you know, may not be that advanced with something, you know, do you recommend something like this if it's something that you're just learning and, and just want to exercise? Yeah, definitely. So I have a couple of colleagues that have started streaming, but they weren't really sure what to stream about. And so one of my colleagues, Brian Lester, and he's actually my manager, he's decided to stream himself learning Go. And he knows nothing about Go. Oh, um, there's a lot of <laughs> big Go experts on our team, right? Like yeah. Brian Kettleson, Eric Simon, um, and they actually join him and help him along. And rather than him feeling like this is actually way more stressful, it's been super motivating for him to keep going. Mm -hmm. And so now he kind of wants to turn his stream into a Brian learns X and people can vote on the language. And oh, so, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. so I'm going to back the Pony Lang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want him to learn Pony Lang and he's already uh, like, no. Or, or like, even just like Cobol or something. Well, I was thinking <laughs> just taking it somewhere else, like how to bake chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or assembly. I mean, I mean, I have streamed. <laughs> I have some colleagues, you know, that could help us with that, like Rachel yeah. Weil. And, yeah. and, but, but I think even I've done that before. I've literally said, I want to play with like the Fitbit API and see if I can do this thing. And mm -hmm. that's where you get more confident. You're just like, I'm going to go in there, but I'm going to go in there with like a couple of hundred mm -hmm. people watching me. And so you actually become really quite fearless when it comes to taking on new technology. So I think that's a really mm -hmm. excellent question because you don't have to be an expert to start streaming. And if anything, like you're going to have a bunch of people that know more than you in the mm -hmm. chat. And that shouldn't be a scary thing. It should be a beneficial thing for you. Don't wait for users to report problems. Raygun gives you complete visibility on errors, crashes, and performance problems affecting your end users. Replicate issues in seconds rather than digging through log files or having to rely on users to report errors or crashes. Raygun gives you a window into how users are really experiencing your software applications, supports all major programming languages and platforms, and integrates with your current development workflow tools too. There's a free 14-day trial, and it takes minutes to implement. So start resolving issues in your application and check it out today at raygun.com. So how many people do you usually have watching whenever you're live? Yeah, that's a good question. It kind of goes up and down depending yeah. on the seasons. And, you know, if I'm working on hardware, everyone's like in there because there's like robots and stuff. Yeah. If I'm working on general open source, it sometimes goes down. So I've had anywhere from like 600 people watching at once to about 150 Mm -hmm. So recently I've just been doing pretty run-of-the-mill open source stuff. So it hits around 200. Okay. Yeah, I'm just thinking like, you know, I, I, I had you open for a while the other day. And, uh, you know, whenever whenever I'm working from home, like it's it's really quiet except for like the kids screaming and like in the room. <laughs> but, background noise. <laughs> yeah, background noise. Some people call that. Um, <laughs> so like I just had you playing and, and like I always have to – I have to have something playing. Otherwise I kind of go out of my mind. Like it's just like too quiet. Like if totally. I can hear like – <laughs> like, this is not for me so yeah. i mean i could see a lot of people just like you know turning on something like that even just i'm not like downplaying like the stuff that you're doing but like i actually would find it really beneficial because then when you do something cool you're like whoa i can't believe I'd, then i'd be like oh hey what's going on <laughs> yeah i totally. can find that super useful so i mean it's just like whenever you're working side by side with somebody um they will solve some cool problem and they'll be like hey check this out um so i think it would be beneficial for like anybody listening to our podcast is just like 
just turn that on and just leave it on and just see what happens yeah, yeah i did that with john papa's stream yesterday and i was putting my makeup on and mm. like doing that to me it's i'm, I'm not i don't get super into makeup but i mm. i like the end result and so <laughs> it just gave me something to focus on as i'm like drawing my eyebrows on again just like yesterday and it yeah. was actually really cool and he was working on an angular app and i know nothing about angular i'm more from a react and an ember side mm-hmm. of things so i was like i am guaranteed to learn something I would never watch this like in like during work hours or in my personal time because Angular is hard for me to justify given I don't really work on it. Mm. And so it was a way for me to absorb stuff like a podcast, but I felt like I had John Papa like teaching me stuff while I was doing something super boring. Yeah. So I really liked that. Yeah, I do that. Anytime like it's it's probably an addiction now, but yeah, I always have to have like a channel nine video playing or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I so. do that at lunchtime too. I just like <laughs> I've I've definitely become some yeah. somebody who just can't do tedious stuff without having a distraction for sure. Yeah, exactly. So as we were setting up today, we actually had somebody comment about like all the gear that we have, and obviously we've been doing this for a while, so we've collected all this fancy <laughs> uh, hardware in front this of us. This is more than most people need. This it's is very way, fancy. It's, it's, it's way more than what most people need, and, and <laughs> we know that. But what, you know, what is the you know minimum barrier to entry, even if it's not gear, um, to getting into something like live code streaming? Yeah, what, well, one thing that I like is um, that it is very cost-effective to get started. So I'm really glad that you asked that. Um, it, I think the biggest thing people have to pay for when they get started is having a good enough internet connection. So like that's something that a lot of us take for granted. Um, but when I was streaming from Australia recently, I had to buy like better internet than the hotel internet <laughs> that I had, uh, which was you know sort of like added up very quickly. But if you have a solid internet connection that you know is at least like I think five megabits per second up, you know, upload speed, then you're good to go. And then if you already have a computer that, uh, especially if it's a laptop with a webcam built in and a microphone built in, you really don't need any extra gear. Uh, I know a lot of people that just use their Apple um, earphones with the mic to kind of listen to stuff and talk aloud, and then they use their webcam on their laptop to stream. And that is kind of how I got started. I had an old crappy webcam that I've used for another project, and I just got that out. And with time, I just saw how having better equipment can kind of add to the quality of your stream, and one at a time sort of spent money and built up my repertoire, as mm-hmm. I'm sure that you've done as well. Yeah, I mean, our we always recommend to, to people to actually buy, like, the best thing you can, like, right off the bat. Because otherwise you go through this cycle where you're like, this is a little bit better. This is a little bit better. And well, then yeah. two stages. One, yeah. use what you have first. Right, exactly. Yeah, and then totally. it, once you're sure that you'll commit. Yeah, prove it out. Yeah. Yeah, that was another thing. I was really scared that I wouldn't commit to it. So I used that old webcam, even though it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. And then when I knew that, oh, this is going to be a thing, I went and splashed out a couple hundred bucks on a really good HD one. So, yeah, I think that's a really good mm-hmm. point rather than collecting stuff that ends up in the corner that you can't really put on eBay because it's already obsolete. And yeah, because we know podcasters, they'll they'll get like the twenty dollar mic to get started, and then like, like that doesn't mic. do it. Yeah. So then they'll get the hundred, and then they'll get the two hundred, and they'll be like, "Oh, you you got the yeah. four hundred dollar one? Oh, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah." So in in the process, you spent a thousand dollars on microphones, so and and we spent three hundred. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. I would say the exact same advice that applies to getting started with podcasting applies to streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like the the fact that it's live and you need a good internet connection is probably the main difference. Yeah, because we don't have to deal with that because we you know record it and then we can upload it whenever. So yeah, I've definitely kind of I've only just started streaming while I'm traveling. I used to just say not going to stream. Mm-hmm. 
but I've started just wanting to be a lot more consistent. And I was on like hotel Wi-Fi in Phoenix this weekend. It was great right till the end. And then it started sputtering and I could see in my software that the frames were dropping and things like that. So Have you yeah. ever done any outdoors? No, I want to. I That'd think that cool. would be really fun with the background noise and everything. But yeah. that actually, just before we wrap up this question, the software yep. as well. Yeah, I was going to um, ask about that. I would recommend open broadcasting software, which is free, open source. Um, and okay. It's very, very I can powerful. Afford that. So yeah. what, does, what does this open broadcast software do? Yeah, that's a really good question. So what it does is it allows you to composite all of the different sources that you're going to put in your stream. So a source will be your mic, uh, the webcam. Uh, most of the time when you're streaming, you're capturing your desktop as well. Mm-hmm. So it's just like it, someone giving a public talk when they're using the projector. But instead, you're sort of com- smooshing it all together into one video and audio stream. And if you have background music, you can put that on as well. And so usually people put their webcam in one of the corners of mm-hmm. their screens. They have most of the screen. Uh, the video stream is like the desktop capture and then they might have some cool widgets and stuff which is also what OBS allows you to do so if someone follows your stream or donates money to you you can have that show as an animation on your stream and it just kind of makes them feel super included so it's incredibly powerful in what it can do to, to help you kind of personalize and put your own sort of character into your stream okay and that's obviously free does that is that only push to Twitch or does that push to different locations yeah it pushes to just about everything I know that even with um, Mixer, Mixer offers both like RTMP, I think, or MT- I RMTP. No <laughs> I always forget the order of that. Uh, but it also um, interfaces with like the FTL, which is the faster than light stream, uh, which is kind of like the pretty much zero delay streaming. So OBS is really, really good at being compatible with all those services like YouTube mm-hmm. Live as well, even. Okay. Yeah, so we could use that to maybe like live stream the podcast if anybody was ever interested in that. that yeah, you like, totally could. I'm like sure people are. There's <laughs> always <somebody>. <laughs> <laughs> No, we're not going to do that. Um, which actually brings yeah. up the question: Can you have like? Can you? You know, I know, I know people can like pay you on there. Um, can you get like sponsors? Like, are there rules against doing anything like that? Do you know? Um, it's pretty intense. Like, so so Twitch is mostly for gaming streams, yeah. right? Which is why a lot of people think that live coding is quite a novelty because it's really hard to discover when you go to twitch.tv. Um, and so a lot of gamers have teams. You have who to say are like sponsored. you have to say like today. I'm you know like your your channel should be like you know I'm going to command and conquer. This, you know, like, <laughs> like start to, to build things in there. <laughs> so you just got to. This code will be in. a battlefield. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like a it's like a um, pop music video clip where you got to have the coke can just like yeah. turned on the side, yeah, exactly. and, like, but it's very subliminal. Yeah. No, a lot of people just literally have the logos in their streams, or they're wearing like a baseball cap with like the sponsor's name on it. Okay, I can't really say that there's been a lot of approach from companies who want to sponsor coding streamers, yeah. but I would be open to talking <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if yeah. they wanted to. I was just wondering if like Twitch had any rules against it or anything. No, so Twitch are okay. pretty uh, a pretty. Um, open with that stuff in their agreement and everything okay. they have more of an exclusivity thing which which says like if we're sharing because twitch does revenue sharing mm-hmm. if you are popular enough so if you're taking part in revenue sharing they they have an exclusivity clause which okay. says like please don't stream to youtube and mixer and everybody else and a lot of the other streaming services also have that same clause you could totally get a sponsor though i'm telling you because <laughs> well because what sponsors are looking for and this is a little bit off topic but yeah, what sponsors yeah. are looking for is they a specific audience you know the more like specific your audience is like you i mean no person writing code 
what the, the, or sorry, no person that isn't writing code would be watching you. I wouldn't think, you know, they're not going to be like, wow. So that's what coding is like, you know? So like <laughs> the, my point is when you go to the sponsor, you're like, listen, this is the audience that you can reach. It's yeah, so absolutely. specific. Yeah. Um, so, and the reason I say it is, is I'm hoping like, you know, it'd be great just to have more live streamers. Right. And if we can get sponsors to start, you know, seeing that as a great avenue, then that just, you know, makes the ecosystem that much better. Yeah, I've definitely had positive relationships formed with companies as a result yeah. of my stream, which has been good. So that's like one level below that. So a lot of the, I have like a, an Adafruit subscription, which is Adafruit's yeah. like loot box, I guess you could mm-hmm. call it. And I do unboxings whenever they come. Oh, okay. Because for a while they were limited to shipping to certain countries. So people would be able to see what it was like and experience that with me live, yeah. which, which was surprisingly compelling <laughs> and so i would open it and then I, I would have an email from someone from adafruit saying hey we just love the fact that you just you just open the box and then the next stream sometimes you'll even like assemble the kit and like yeah. show people how to use it and they're like we love that please keep it up cool. if we can help you out let us know and so i've definitely had some kind of like reach out from people saying hey we're a fan of what you're doing to help us so that's cool that is really cool. Yeah, I'd love to see just more more people doing this. I think I think it's something that's just gonna it's just gonna grow. I don't see why it wouldn't grow yeah, a lot. If the right sponsor approached me, I'd be interested. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm just putting that out there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'd love to chat with you if you're yeah, interested. That's pretty cool. Is there is there like a next level then after this? Like what what's what's next for you? I think so. A lot of the time the next level for streamers is to become a full time streamer. I think it's similar to a full-time YouTuber. You know, yeah. it's now a career option for teenagers. <laughs> they're like, they'll tell their yes. career advisors yeah. that, and they're just sort of rolling their eyes and like, <laughs> yeah, Dan oh, TDM, these millennials. Made, uh, yeah. uh, what was it, 13 million last year? Something like that. I mean, it's just crazy how much some of those people are making on there just yeah. playing games. It's a lot, and it's yeah. not necessarily something that I want to do full-time. So a lot of people yeah. say, oh, what are you trying to do this for? And that's not really it. I think for me... What's been satisfying is seeing other people have the courage to do it. Mm-hmm. But what I want to do is start streaming more than just Sundays. So I've just started streaming Azure-based content because, you know, I'm an advocate for, for Azure and cloud stuff for Microsoft. And I get so excited about using Azure, but it's so hard to communicate that in blog posts and public yeah, yeah. talking, you know what I mean? Here's a screenshot that should Yeah, like, look how cool this thing is. And yeah. so I've been doing, like, really dumb projects with Azure to show that, like, the potential of it so that you can do a serious project with it, right? And so that's something that I want to do at least once a week, but right now I only have time for a couple of times a month. So I'm trying to figure out my travel schedule so that I can do once a week. And right now I'm covering free tier products mm-hmm. so that people don't have to pay to get started. Yeah. And it's called free tier time. So I'd like free tier time. Is it time a separate channel then? Or is it like a sub no, channel? No, it's still or? on my stream, which is cool. Okay, but is it a different show? Like, what is the taxonomy? Yeah, that's a really <laughs> good question. So like when on Twitch, you can change the title of every stream. And so oh, okay. it kind of describes briefly what you're doing. So I'll change it on there. Um, but yeah, and I'd also like to kind of follow in Jeff Fritz's footsteps. He's been, his stream is like mega awesome. Like he just kind of, did that thing where you know people who just pick up something and they're a natural at it that was like him with streaming and i was like kind of like envious of that but he started having people pair programming with him 
Oh, that's cool. So I'm going to have somebody over to, um, to come visit my apartment in, uh, I think, March or April. We've booked it, and they're going to come and pet program with me. But you could use the VS Code sharing feature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> may or may not have been alpha testing that, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to say that on air, but yeah. I did get early access to that, and so did a number of us streamers, because okay. that is a genuine use case for VS Code Live Share, that's and cool. we are so pumped to be able to use that on our streams, for sure. Okay, so I think awesome. that would be the next level for me, is like actually involving more people that is very cool and you I, I guess i wanted to call out too like i went out to like your github page and i love it because you have and i don't know how many are forks or whatever but you know you had 145 projects out there when i looked <laughs> um and again like I, you know some of them were obviously forks it's like the same with anybody's github page um but what was cool is, you know, you're doing what I always tell our listeners to do, which is like, you know, hey, I see this problem. And then you just you go solve it and you put the code out there. And like, yeah. So I guess just thank you for that. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> so my friend, my good friend, Justin Sells, calls it like getting care mad about something. Yeah. So you get like really care mad, mad. that something that. it's like, oh, it's, it's broken and I have no control. So yeah. I'm just going to like but you dump do. my emotions into some code and release yeah. it. And so that's definitely something I relate to. Yeah. So I appreciate you noticing that because that's definitely yeah, yeah. a motivation for me. With Yeah. Cause process. I mean, I, I always tell you, listen, like if you see like an issue with like documentation, like I see a lot of people like open up an issue, like, Oh, this is spelled wrong. It's like, why did you open an issue? Why didn't you send a pull request? Fix it. Like it's yeah. literally like the same amount of work to fix it as it is. It's probably easier. It. I think it's easier. <laughs> I think it yeah. is easier. Cause then you don't have to put all the like, excuse me, I'm sorry yeah. to pick on a typo, but there is a typo yeah. here. And they get, they get, they, the pull requests get accepted so fast. I was just doing yeah. some IOT stuff. Well, especially and if you put the links on your pages to do that, like Azure documentation or like our website. Oh, yeah, yeah totally. But I was literally like reading yeah. it from like the GitHub site mm -hmm. and I went in there and like made all these typo, you know, fix all these typos and like submitted a pull request and it was like 23 minutes later. It's like accepted and I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah, and mm -hmm. you can do it all from the GitHub we website hack, now, which yeah. blows my mind. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I find that most documentation, like care mad situations yeah. happen when you're in a hackathon. You're like, I just need to solve this problem yeah. right now. And the documentation is wrong. Yeah. And so that's a really good opportunity yeah. to go and fix it. I'm really glad you brought yeah. it up. And if there's like a step missing, you can add the step and then you tell everybody, like, everybody hit F5. <laughs> <laughs> you just feel so much better. It's like, it's like no one will have to suffer in the way that I did. And that's the power of being able to fix those things. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Um, any other questions, Carl? No. Nope. Moving to the pick of the week. Uh, so actually, you had the Azure pick of the week, Suze, which was uh, EventGrid going GA. Um, I was going to totally forget about it, but I'm glad that you mentioned it right before the show. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to say anything about it. Oh, I have so many things to say, but I'll try and keep it really brief. <laughs> we did have an entire episode on it, but like that was oh, that that's was, cool. That was a that was a few months ago. Okay. That was right when it went, went it was public preview. I think it was literally the day it came out. Yeah, it it, it was that week. Yeah. Okay, so the special thing about GA, general availability, compared to public preview, is that it's now fully integrated into IoT Hub. And you know that IoT mm -hmm. is, like, very close to my heart. <laughs> and so, you know, the previous way that you set up routing and filtering based on, like, different device events coming in, it was possible in IoT Hub, but now with EventGrid, it, it has this whole PubSub model. It's way easier to set up filtering. Um, you can do it from the command line now which is really cool because setting up routes within IoT Hub, you can only really do it with like an ARM template or in the, the portal. So it's just yeah. so much more powerful and easy to set up and setting up multiple consumers, which is a very common scenario in IoT. Like this, you know, two different kind of processes consuming the same events is like, 
a hundred times easier, not literally, but mm. like very, yeah. very much easier uh, to do now. So that's why I'm so pumped about okay. event I'll have to check that out because like when we had the episode, like it was so fresh yeah. and it was, you know, it's like, oh, well, this is missing and this and this and this and this. Yeah. And like everything was right around the corner. So I'm going to have to take another look at that because it sounds like it's mature enough now to, to use. It's so. super cool. Yeah. There's still some like SDKs that are still to come out. So they're yeah. only released in a couple of languages, but I'm super pumped to see how that's just going to simplify a lot of code that people traditionally had to write for those iot kind of um event management so okay very cool very cool and then carl you have a dev, dev tip of the week it, it's less a dev tip but just a, a keyboard shortcut that <laughs> i'm off the, 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 they're, they're weird ones and the previous one that we had i don't know if you remember was how to reset your networking stack with a yeah. windows keyboard command but this one is windows control c what does that do <gasps> Uh, exactly. Your screen black and white? Yeah, your it, screen just went It went grayscale. <laughs> the Windows Control C, and you have it back in color. Okay, use case. I have no idea. When I saw it on Twitter, I got it from uh, I got a use case Morton for you. Okay. As, as a person that's oh, colorblind, yes. He's colorblind. You, could use it to, you could use it to make sure that you are a bit distinct, distinguished. I just ran into this over across the street. They had the they had the map, and then like they, everything's color-coded. And it, which is, which is actually shocking to me because Microsoft, like we are like way ahead. Yeah, we're huge on inclusive on, design. Yeah, ex- yeah. inclusive and accessibility. Yeah, totally. And in, in, I know like in, in my building, in the, in the, uh, the kitchen, like there's braille and everything. Like they're using patterns instead of colors on things. Like they're doing such a good job. So I was actually kind of surprised to see it over here, Sad you know, face. different group. Yeah. But I'm like sitting there and it's like color coded. I'm like, what? I'm like, okay, I don't know where this is. So I had to start following like the text signs. Well, today I learned that, yeah, yeah putting something in grayscale will actually help you with that. And yeah. like, I'm a huge accessibility advocate. I'm always going on about colors, but I never even Windows thought that's C. a tool. Yeah. Huh. Well, I guess that would come in useful too if you're checking any UI that you've designed as well. Like, mm-hmm. can oh, th- is this like high contrast enough when people do switch to it? Yeah, that's a good point too, high contrast. Mind blown. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. And actually something I ran into last night in the hotel, Um, I'm – uh, on one of my other laptops, I'm running uh, Insider Build and the night shift feature where it makes it like more orangish color mm-hmm. at nighttime. Well, there's something broken with it and it says orange as you can get it, which actually made my icons <laughs> at the bottom made Visual Studio icon look orange. I'm like, I know this Uh-oh. this laptop isn't up to date, but I don't think I have the VS Code for Halloween. last fall oh, where yeah. I had the Halloween. And then it took me a little bit of you know finagling with the settings to realize, no, that's actually full Visual Studio. Oh, wow. So yeah, the those controls make a difference. They does really the control do. arrow thing still work where it rotates your screen? Yes, yes, it does work. <laughs> I call that prank mode. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> awesome to mess with somebody, like flip their screen over. <laughs> we used to do stuff like you would take the two computers next to each other and you'd swap their oh, mice yeah. around mm-hmm. the back so that they're, they're just like, why is it not working? Yeah. What was the one that Ben had? He had something remote that he plugged in. Oh, I think it was something to disconnect Sean's mouse. Yeah, that's so easy. He could push a button and then oh, like it would disconnect wow. his and he's like, what? And he and, and Sean, he's a person that like he'll just gotta keep getting louder and louder and he's like, What's going on? <laughs> you know, he's like the literal like, you know, animated GIF that you would see. <laughs> I imagine that would just die laughing in the corner. <laughs> yes. It was pretty it was pretty amusing, so That's awesome. Oh, okay. So we basically just added a whole bunch of pranks. <laughs> So does it like does the survivor reboot the black and white thing? I actually haven't tried that. Okay, yet. we'll have to try that. <laughs> we'll have to see how how prankish it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> perfect. So, Suze, where can people find you? Like, um, like where can they find? How do they get to you on Twitch, for example? 
Yeah, that's a that's great. I've tried to do my best online and keep my handle the same on everything. So you can find me on Twitter, Twitch, and GitHub at Noopcat. Okay. So that's N O O P, like the yeah. Yep. <laughs> no, like no op, yeah. Like the operation and um, K A T because I just thought that looked better than a C. <laughs> <laughs> so you just you like cats? I or? like cats. Okay. And if you put the two together, it's sort of a self-deprecating joke. It's like useless or lazy cat. Yeah. So that's sort of <laughs> okay. why I that's did pretty that. clever. Yeah. So I noticed that on noopcat.com you have a links to your newsletter, Twitch, blog, Twitter, GitHub, NPM, Tumblr, and email. So <laughs> it's a lot. There's a lot of links there, so just go to there and you can find everything else, I'm assuming. It's so yes. awesome. You just put out a lot of great content, which is which I really appreciate happy. it. Thank that's you so great. much. Uh, and Carl, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. So, Suze, thank you so much for coming on here and talking to us about live streaming and all the other cool work that you're doing. Yeah, it applies. Thank you so much. 